Oddity Files, the podcast, is brought to you by That Witch Beauty. Potions, jewelry, even odd box readings. Yes, ma'am, Pam. Head on over to Etsy.com slash shop slash That Witch Beauty. Check it out. All the good vibes, all the magic, all the moon water and crystals. Etsy.com slash shop slash that witch beauty. Good morning, good morning, it's great to stay up late, good morning, good morning to you, Nicolas, how are you today? I'm doing good, if anyone who's listening to the podcast don't get that reference, uh, I highly recommend, first of all, finish listening to the podcast, and then just go on any streaming service and buy Singing in the Rain and watch it, please. Ah, so good. So ridiculously good. (laughs) So people are like, what is she singing? Did she make it up? No, it's from a classic. Um, Yeah, we're recording on a Saturday morning because I just got back from glorious NOLA. For you that are not in the know, that means New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, But you're listening to Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I am Nick Floyd. Oh, my goodness. What a week it has been for me. But I left with I left the last podcast. Oh, and and we're back. Oh, and we're back. So there it is. And there, there's that. <laughs> I'm a little you're, disorganized. You're so decked out, though, first of all, before you dive in. You got your Squatch beanie. You got your very uh, shiny uh, Stay Weird. Did you get that in New Orleans, or is that just something you've had in the closet? That was a gift from my dear friend, Heather Hickenbotham, whom I used to do the Miss Murder podcast with. It was one of my Christmas gifts. Oh, very nice. And it's very like Portland, Colorado looking. Yes. Yeah. It's got a spaceship over the mountains with some trees. They could Actually, the mountains could be pyramids. I'm not mm. sure. I'm going to say mountains, though, because yeah. of the pine trees. Mountains are pyramids. It's all just, uh, it's all just under oh. the disguise. Look at that conspiracy theory. Just (laughs) happened right here on Oddity Files, the podcast, the podcast, the podcast. Who needs Joe Rogan when you have us creating our own conspiracy? (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally. Oh, so I have show notes, guys. Um, I left the last podcast with, I want to tell you about my quantum healing experience. So I I met this wonderful friend, um, Andrea gonna screw up her last name i think it's chote c-h-o-a-t-e chote sorry andrea but she's a a quantum healer who takes science mixes it with all the woo-woo stuff that we love here she's an intuitive she speaks to spirits she does all the things and then she helps to rewire your brain on how to think to get over anxiety, um, blockages you may have, things like that. And it was fucking magical. It was a three-hour session. 
And she starts it with, so so what do we want to work on here? And I'm like, well, this is our first session, everything. <laughs> yeah, how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you just fix my life remotely on the phone, please? And thank you. Um, and that's what she does. She does it over the phone. She says, in person, it's almost too distracting. So you have to you know, kind of set yourself up in a space that you feel safe and comfortable in, where there's no interruptions for the entire call. And she goes with what she gets intuitively and goes over the things you are having problems with and comes up with how to rethink about the situations you're dealing with, with the information you give her and spirit gives her. It's, it's what therapy should be. It's it so interesting. Beautiful. Yeah. I so feel I like- highly recommend her. I feel like the more that we sort of push on, I think a lot of people, especially with, you know, uh, I, I'm, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I talk openly about this stuff all the time. But before the pandemic, you know, I was going to therapy uh, four times a month. So once a week, it was basically the math there. Uh, and the moment the pandemic hit, the offices shut down. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. would you like to do over over the phone? And for something like that, uh, especially the type of therapist I was going to, it's like it worked better for me to like have a space that was not home. The whole point yeah. was like not bringing that stuff into the house. And so whenever when that shut down, it was like that was the only option. It was like either you, you chat over it and like I spend more time texting than I need to anyway. So why would I yeah. chat with therapy? I can journal if I want to do that. Um, and I think a lot of people also went through that. Uh, and I think people who were maybe like interested in therapy or when they needed it most during the pandemic, uh, when they were open to it, I think that there were not a lot of opportunities for it. And I see things like, and this is such a, it feels very out of left field, but just hear me out. Uh, yeah. the week, the weekend just released a new album and it's a concept album and the whole and Jim Carrey, uh, is sort of the guide of the album. So he guides you, through throughout the album and of course if you know about Jim Carrey you know he's very aligned with the cosmos he's very much about the quantum therapy the like I I am not not. who I am oh he's all about like that he is just a vessel and a being like he is like he's one of us (laughs) yes he's very much so he's very like artistic and very much believes in all the universal things but when that album came out there were a lot of people who didn't who didn't know that about Jim Carrey, who didn't really understand that. And it kind of opened a lot of people up to this new world of, and not, I think I'm giving some people too much credit who just love the weekend and want to listen to his music, which is fine too. But I think it opened a lot of people up to a world of like cosmic healing and a world of, you know, aligning spiritually, but not just not like, religious faith-based jesus spiritual like cosmic universal spiritual and i think there's more than just where we're at yes and i love when things can somehow break through in the zeitgeist i think you know I, i wished when midnight mass came out which there was a whole theme there was kind of that cosmic element to it that was there combating sort of the religious elements that were there and no one was talking about it and it drove me crazy. I need crazy. to finish that. Ugh. It's great. But it's like it's such a sliver of the whole show but it was the one piece and I'm like why can't people latch on to 
this because this is should be something we talk more about because it's still one of those things where people look at you and they're like, eh, it sounds a little nuts. It's like, it's not nuts. You should definitely look into it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, to I'm just glad that, like, people are sort of aware of this thing that's always been there. Mm-hmm. It, it just sort of floats kind of where you and I fall. Like, right. for the people who listen to the podcast, like, we all see it. But then the people on the outside of that don't really understand it uh, and are just now kind of getting a view in because it's bro- it's broken through the mainstream. Yes, it has. <laughs> and, and honestly, this is something I've been obsessed with for the last, I mean, in the pandemic is when I started looking into this whole spiritual awakening, spiritual healing thing. I know I don't talk about this a lot on the podcast, but it's manifesting your own destiny is a fucking thing. It really, truly is. And I'll get more into that over, you know, the upcoming weeks and things like that. It's just, it's, I didn't know if I was going to bring it up on the podcast. So thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, I believe that there's more than what we see, what we hear, what we feel. And to know Jim Carrey's in on all that is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was uh, I, I, and he, on uh, social media. He was responding to people. He would share, you know, the album came out and then he shared something and someone would like DM him. And then other people were screenshotting DMs between them and Jim Carrey oh, wow. about asking questions about this this type of spirituality and this cosmic connection and stuff. And it's just, it's, uh, it's very cool and... You know, I hope more people see it. I think that we're all sort of like chasing something right now yes. because of how oh. the world is. Yes. And I think people are realizing that, you know, everything is about energy and it's so difficult. You know, I know that we're all fascinated in aliens. That's great. But like, if you look above that at what's real, there's mm-hmm. this entire universe that just is there. Literally. And just in our own. I didn't even know you were into all of this like I am. I love it. (laughs) Oh, it's great. I think think if you're interested in space as a whole, it's very hard not to, one, you're interested in the beauty of it. And then once you see past the beauty, you see, you know, the, you, you, you look into like the cosmic type of stuff. Yes. And it's just, it's all there. It's like, that's what you should look to. Because there's something, there's something there that we're all missing. Um, there can't not be. Yeah. But absolutely, it's literally an obsession of mine. I, it's a little bit of TikTok, a little bit of um, just finding out that a lot of it just makes sense to me personally. I'm not pushing my views and things like that on anybody else. But I've just opened my mind in my golden years, and it's led me on this path. And I'm super fortunate. But if you guys want to check out Andrea and this amazing thing that she does, she doesn't even say that she talks to spirit. She says she downloads the information from the universe. It's really fucking cool. But she's uh, Soul Healing Mechanics on Facebook. And I, I, I cannot recommend her enough. Fortunately, she's a friend. She actually, I met her through Paranormal Crossroad. 
and she was one of the producers on there, and she actually came on an investigation with us. Uh, it was the season finale, and uh, she's just a, a beautiful, beautiful human being who has this gift and understands. She's not a therapist. She's not a licensed therapist, and she will tell you that up and down. But I will tell you for somebody who's tried the Better Helps and the things like that out there, that is not for me. I can't – I'm not the person – the kind of person that just sits there and talks to somebody about their problems. It's no. just not who I am. I internalize it. Um, and I'd rather think about it and process it myself. And this helped me with that, especially with all the shit that's been going on in the world. Nobody's mental health is is where it should be, I feel right now. But this was built for my brain. Yeah. We just need enlightenment, I think. And, 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 I, and that was the biggest piece is – you you know with with traditional therapies it's finding someone that you mesh with and someone that you it's it's trust like it's a very very important piece of trust that's there because the trust is i think more important with traditional therapies in that you're being listened to but also when you're being talked to and given advice it's not textbook it's actually someone who understands you and i think I think that there's a lot of power and enlightenment that we don't necessarily get in a social media age. So I think that that is yeah. probably where she falls is that it's very enlightening to you mm-hmm. uh, as a person. And I think that recenters us when we are enlightened because we're just like, nothing is ever going to make sense here. Like, right. Like why we're still pursue, like why other countries are pursuing nuclear war when we're in a global pandemic together as a collective why we're still interested in that as things are sort of in the state that they are. It's like things like that are never going to make sense to you. So it's important mm-hmm. that you recenter and, you know, find enlightenment and then go from there. Like that's just yeah. important. You have to. You have to. You have to. So I, I highly recommend if this is something, if you're looking for something more, something to help heal yourself going through all this shit this world has been going through for the past seems like 25 years but it hasn't (laughs) um please check out soul healing mechanics on facebook she this is not a paid promotion i truly believe in what she does she was bringing up stuff that i had never told anybody else and it just worked for me but i recently i think i've talked about this on the podcast found a a massage therapist that adds a little bit of intuitiveness into uh, the body work that she does on me. It's like sh- she talks about, oh, this stress you're holding right here, here's what I'm getting from it. This is what you need to let go of, you know, mentally. Yeah. And it's it's just what I need. Again, I'm not pushing it on anybody else out there. It's just what works for me. Yeah, totally. And, 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 and as far as like pushing stuff goes and things, I think that it's so important. I I learned a lot about uh, mindfulness when I was in therapy, and and that was something that I had a hard time with because I think you have to have this sort of focus where it's it's about resetting your mind and 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 mm-hmm. touching things and feeling it like you're feeling it for the first time. And if you're cooking something, like smelling it and really just picking it apart and like these are the onions and this is the garlic. And the only place that I can practice that is in the shower because it's like the water can hit you and you can kind of retrain your brain to like how it feels and like put it in your mouth and like rinse around like it's just putting yourself there and I think 
I think that it takes you, is, it brings you to the present moment. Yes, it's all about being present, and I think another way to do that is to mix up the way that you're living your life. So maybe if this isn't something that you're interested in, just throw yourself outside the comfort zone mm-hmm. because in a sense that's also practicing mindfulness because it's like it's it's mixing up your daily routine and throwing off the things that you would normally do. And that's uh, when you have breakthroughs. Yeah, that's when you that's when and that's why like I I'm always I've been fascinated with religion since I was a kid and I I I know what my beliefs are, but reading about other people's beliefs and belief systems that have been created over time and that exist, that mixes things up for me. It opens yeah. my mind to to everything. And like if we're talking about centering, it kind of recenters of like this is sort of the pockets and pieces of the world. So even if it's not something you're into, just do it. Just give it a try. Yeah. It's just not gonna hurt you. It. Reach out to Andrea. Fi- find out just Send her a message and find out if it's something that will work for you. So, Andrea, thank you so much. I have my next session. And I thought this was going to be a one and done. But my, I'm instantly, I'm like, can 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 we do this bi-monthly? <laughs> More please. Um, is, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I wanted to let everybody know that Paranormal Crossroad is doing another event at the Athenaeum where we're filming for season two. Super duper excited about that. Check out Paranormal Crossroad on Facebook or paranormalcrossroad.com for more information on that. What we're doing this time around, though, is we're doing our thing where you know, we're going to go in, have a little meet and greet, do some Oracle card readings. We'll film for the show. Then Tiffany will come up and do her amazing world-renowned gallery spirit reading. And then KJ and I will do a quick little spirit session to see if anybody else is going to come through or that's going to happen in reverse. I'm not sure. It's been I've been gone for a week. Um, but after that, the Athedaeum has set up an additional ticket so you can just stay and ghost hunt till like 4 a.m. there. So it's, yeah, we're super excited. I've, I've been waiting to talk about this for a long time. So it's, it's Paranormal Crossroad meets Unseen Press. We're going to do them both the same night. So it'll be an amazing experience. And like Nick and I were talking about before we even started recording, I feel like that's the way of entertainment anymore. It's not sitting on your couch in front of Mm -hmm. the TV anymore. It's going out and having these experiences. So please check it out. Join us. Um, We completely expect tickets for both events to sell out as they have in the past. Speaking of experiences, okay, one quick thing from Nola, and then I've got a new segment for the show. Oh, well, possibly. Before you dive in, if you attend the Paranormal Crossroads event and you have your copy of I'd Rather Talk to Dead People, Kitsy, you know, if you ask nicely, uh, she'll probably pop a signature in there. My copy uh, during the move wound up in a box that it wasn't supposed to wind up in, and uh, (laughs) I rediscovered it a week ago. And it's you here always make me blush. <laughs> back on my desk, uh, front and center. So yes, and if you don't have a copy, you have time before the Paranormal Crossroads event to get one. Uh, and I will have the, some at the show as well. Look at the look at the thickness of this book. If you're on <laughs> Patreon, this is it's a not good the size that matters. It, listen, sometimes <laughs> we just want to get lost in a book, and that's just the perfect length. You can read it in one sitting. If you read slow like me. 
might take it's a little more. Super quick read. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'd rather talk to dead people available on Amazon. Thank you. Get it. And barnesandnoble.com. And I, cool. I have set up my first in person signing. I don't have those dates in front of me right now. Um, it's going to happen in March. Give me two seconds to pull up a calendar. Very excited about it. I believe it's in March. Nope. Uh, <laughs> stuff and things. Not that date. I know it's somewhere in here. Nope. That's check the hot tub bromine. Oh, found it. So <laughs> uh, March 5th at Hampton design in Irvington, Indianapolis, which is the most glorious little borough slash neighborhood in Indianapolis. It is embraces the weird. I can't believe I didn't even know this area existed. Um, it's Irvington, again, Indianapolis. They shut down for Halloween. So the entire downtown just has a huge party. I mean, they are who we are. So That's I'm going to do a book signing March 5th at Hampton Design. If you are in the Indianapolis area, get your ass to Hampton Design because it is magical. All the crystals. Adam is just a glorious human being who owns it. And they have drag shows there. They do We're going to do a paranormal, a sold out paranormal crossroad event there in February. It's just glorious. It's it just so happens to be located in the uh, lodge six six six. Oh, Masonic Lodge. I think I'm not 100 percent sure on what lodge it is, but this building is fabulous. It's a hundred years old. It's it's gonna be so great. So thank you, Adam, for being my first place to do an in person signing. Other than the paranormal crossroad events, I'm super excited about it. Yay! You should be. All right. Hit me with those that Nala story. <clears throat> okay, so I did all the shopping. I did all the stuff and yeah, all the did. things. Uh, I I had a tea re- tea leaf reading for the first time ever, and I'm completely obsessed with it and learning about it. But <clears throat> that story is your tease for next week. Mm. But huh, I came across. Tease. This, I get it. I, I yeah. Get it. Uh, oh, oh, I didn't even get it. That was. <laughs> Pun unintended, by the way. <laughs> That's going to be the new thing. Pun unintended. Yeah. But I I, I was in a, a vinyl record store, which I don't normally go in. That's like Nick's MO. Absolutely not mine. I like my music on my phone. Um, but I, Chris, as we were passing by, saw a Ouija board in the window. And I'm oh. like, wait, what? then let's go in. And they had a little occult section of books. Only the one Ouija board, though. It was Peach's Record Store on Magazine Street in New Orleans, Louisiana. Yep. Wonderful people who own that shop. Absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I came across this book called Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. I saw this on your Instagram. And I may or may not have a a place card holder of a Marie Laveau little thing I got because I spent so much money at the Marie Laveau voodoo shop. They gave me all the free stuff. Amazing. Uh, (laughs) But each, it has a bazillion little like Bloody Mary things like we do when we were kids. Things to do with the paranormal that like everybody's getting homework so we can hopefully get some more goddamn paranormal personal stories from (laughs) y'all 
So since uh, the astrology thing is no longer a thing, uh, I figured we'd add this segment. So this is from Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark, a guide to summoning spirits, divining the future, and invoking the supernatural by Lucia Peters. Get your hands on a copy now. But here is what... We're going to go over here real quick. It's called The Hosting Game. And it gives like, the I don't know if you can see this, Nick, like the risk level and all the things <laughs> for each game. So the risk level on this one is low. The objective is to invite your non-corporeal friends over for a party. Additional warnings, fire. And the reward is a ghostly get together. So how to play. Number one, choose your hosting room. This room should be small, dark, and empty, ideally with no windows, although a room with windows may be used as long as the windows can be completely covered up. An empty walk-in closet is perfect if you have access to one. Number two, gather your supplies. You'll need an analog watch or clock. Do not use a digital watch or a cell phone. A piece of paper, a pen, and three matches. A flashlight or battery-powered lantern is optional, but recommended if your hosting room does not have a light source of its own. <laughs> Wait until nightfall. Once it's dark, you may begin. Start by turning off every possible source of noise in your home, televisions, telephones, computers, alarms, other electronic devices, and so on. If it can make a noise, turn it off. You might also think about unplugging the devices or taking the batteries out. Turn off all the lights in your home, too. I'm already scared. It's a lot of darkness and quiet. That's a lot okay. of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> if there are windows in your hosting room, draw the curtains or otherwise block them as completely as possible. Okay, number four. Take your supplies with you to your hosting room and turn on the lights. If your hosting room does not have its own light source, set up your flashlight or lantern in the room and turn it on now. Place the paper and pen inside the hosting room, but keep the watch or clock and matches on you. You'll need ready access to them all at times, then exit the hosting room, leaving the lights on and the door open. Additionally, make note of the nearest light source to the hosting room that is not inside the room. Number five. It's time to let your guests know that you're preparing for their arrival. Go to the room in your home that's the furthest away from the hosting room. When you arrive, call out, I'll be ready soon. Then begin traveling throughout your home, making your way back to the hosting room and stopping inside each and every room as you go. In each room, repeat the phrase, I'll be ready soon. Your guests wouldn't want to arrive too early. How embarrassing to show up for a party before the host is ready. <laughs> when you arrive back at the hosting room, it's time to invite your guests to the party. Enter the hosting room, pick up the pen, and write the following message on the paper, filling in the appropriate information where indicated. This is a little longer than I anticipated. I apologize. You write... You're invited, exclamation point, a gathering hosted by, then you put your name, between the current time, check the watch on the clock, and an hour from the current time, friends welcome. Then position the paper on the floor in the middle of the hosting room. Now, finally, it's time to welcome your guests. Stand in the doorway, facing into the hosting room, and say, I'm ready, come on in. Then turn off the light and turn around. 
The hosting room should be behind you, the darkness of your home in front of you. Take out your three matches, count aloud to 10, but do not look behind you. Strike the first match when you reach the number 10. If it lights immediately, hold it as it burns and greet your guests without turning around. Be warm, polite, and welcoming, and make sure you thank them for coming. This is literally so sweet and wonderful. I love it. It is. Keep holding on to the burning match for as long as you can bear. When it's in danger of scorching your fingers, extinguish it and drop it. I'm just going to put a little caveat there. Don't just drop it on the carpet. Find somewhere fire safe to drop that. (laughs) Yeah, that's very unsafe. Now, if the match doesn't light on the first strike, that is not a good sign. Drop it immediately and proceed to the next stop and do not look behind you. The next step is number eight. Strike the second match. If it lights on the first strike, it's time to greet more of your guests. Continue holding the burning match as you thank them for coming and tell them how glad you are to see them. Again, hold on to the match as long as possible and then extinguishing it in a fire safe something or another. Um, now, if the second match does not light the first stri- on the first strike, that's bad. Drop it immediately and proceed to the next step. Do not look behind you. <laughs> Just give up at that point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, you've got a third match. Third time's a charm. Number nine, strike the third match. If it lights on the first strike, your party can finally begin. Say, now everyone is here and begin to count to 10 again, holding the burning match for as long as possible one more time. When you finish counting, extinguish the match and listen carefully, but do not look behind you. If you hear or feel any whispering, quiet noises, rustling, or a soft voice thanking you, oh, I'm covered in goosebumps right now, all of your guests are present and are having a marvelous time indeed. And then it says, keep an eye on your watch or clock when the party's ending time arrives. Bid your guests farewell and thank them for coming. The recommended script is, thank you for coming, goodbye, but do not ask them to come again soon. Then walk to the nearest light source that isn't inside your hosting room and turn it on. Very very Beetlejuice vibes. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's the additional information is this is best this game is best played with only one player. Your guests may not enjoy too large of a crowd. Once you've invited your guests in and do not at any point turn around or look into the hosting room. Your guests may be shy and they might not react kindly to situations that make them nervous. This is huge. Even paranormal investigators when you are in their home, you respect them. Okay. If you end up with uninvited guests, turning on the lights will end the party. But do not assume that all your party crashers have left. You might want to get in the habit of leaving a light on in whatever room you're in because the darkness might not be your friend. Oh, so what an ominous way to end this like (laughs) seemingly enjoyable experience. (laughs) So there you have it, kids. Homework. Yeah, homework. Tell us your personal experience was with the hosting game. I love it. I love it. But definitely check out the book if you can. I should have bought several, several copies because it's a neat little fun little concept. Yeah, super fun. I like it. I I won't be doing it. Uh, n- nor will I. 
<laughs> I don't need any more friends in my house. No, 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 no. Paranormal in the News was sent in by Nikki Kelly. And she said when she sent it, paranormal in the news, sort of, but not really, but still scary as fuck. So (laughs) here we go. The man who lived in his ex-girlfriend's attic, 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 went completely unnoticed. People find all sorts of strange thing in their attics. Sometimes a family of raccoons manages to break in and set up their own little residence. Sometimes collections of odds and ends with no real purpose stack up to the rafters. Most would not expect, however, to find an unwelcoming person who has made the attic their home. I know Nick and I have talked about this before, but these are always such amazing stories. <laughs> One woman in South Carolina was certainly not expecting to find out that her ex-boyfriend had been living in her attic, despite the fact that they had broken up nearly 12 years prior. Dude's got issues. Mm-hmm. In 2012, a woman identified by the news simply as Tracy grew suspicious as she heard the second of the sound of thumps and bumps in the night. These noises coming from upstairs led her to send her older sons to investigate the attic, where they found nails had been pried loose in the floorboards. Inside of the heating unit rested a 44-year-old man who was quietly sleeping, surrounded by jackets that had been used to line the interior. This man was none other than Tracy's ex-boyfriend, a criminal. Girls got bad taste in men. who had been aggressive with her in the past. He had even stolen her truck at one point. This would lead her to break up with him. He would shortly thereafter end up in prison and would occasionally write letters to her from jail. But Tracy had no interest in a relationship with the man and made the point to him that they were over. But he wouldn't take the hint. Shortly after his release from prison, he somehow managed to sneak into her house, climb up into the attic, unbeknownst to her. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it is. Then he set about a most disturbing task, which was modifying the ceiling so that he, that he would be able to look into Tracy's bedroom <laughs> to watch her during the night. This Goodness. motherfucker. Yeah. Ugh. His plan, while disturbing and effective in the short term, eventually led her to catch on to the strange creaks and squeaks upstairs. Nails began to pop out of the ceiling, leaving her with a sense of dread. Of course it did. Mm -hmm. She would quickly realize that the source of this disturbance was coming from the attic and would send her boys to investigate. I mean, I'd call the cops. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to send my kids up to sacrifice. (laughs) Yeah, homeboy, dude can get killed. Like, she could have shot him if she wanted to. Yeah, for sure. crazy. So once he was found out by the eldest son and her nephew, the man was quick to flee the scene. Of course he was. Leaving Mm. Tracy confused, afraid, and disturbed by what she had seen. Their relationship, like I said earlier, had ended 12 years ago. Why in the world did he decide to show up at her house now? Police were quick to arrive to the scene and investigated the attic. They found plenty of evidence that he had been living there, although for how long is uncertain. There was only one possible point of entry for the individual, and that would be to go through the hallway connected to several bedrooms. So he was in the house. Nope. 
Um, as strange as it might seem, this isn't the only case where individuals have secretly lived in a person's home. In one such case, a Japanese man in Fukaka, Fukaoka, began to suspect that someone was stealing his food and his pantry supply was diminishing over time. I think we've actually talked about this story because he set up the camera and revealed yep. that it was a woman. Yes. So... More terrifying things to think about in the dark. Thank you, Nikki, for sending that in. I appreciate it. I think we're we're way past our storytelling time, as per usual, because we have no (laughs) sense of time in this day and age. I believe you go first, Nicolas. Well, look at that. Well, I won't waste any time since we're 36 minutes in. Just happy to be here. Same. Um, So... Originally, this story uh, I had come across, which I don't, I'm not a big Discovery Plus person like you are. So this was just a standard news story to me. But with the release of the new Scream movie, I was going to do a story uh, about the killer that the movie inspired. Oh, okay. But turns out, in in doing my research... This is actually a two-hour documentary that's on Discovery Plus called Scream, the True, the True Story that actually came out on January 14th. So oh if you're goodness. interested in this story, uh, you can watch the documentary. You can read it. I'm not going to cover it today. Instead, as many of you know who've listened to this podcast uh, and or follow me on social media, I love movies. I love watching movies. I love uh, learning about movies. So instead of covering this story, one thing that's always fascinated me in movies is what's called uh, a cursed movie. Yes. A cursed film set or whatever it is. There are movies that have been made, mostly horror movies, that have been cursed. A lot of very famous ones are The Crow, which Brandon Lee uh, passed away on uh, during the filming of that specifically. But there are many other instances that this has happened. So I'm going to go through 13 different cases and what happened on these specific movie sets. 13 sounds like a lot. It's like one sentence each. Um, oh, correct. Because it's fun to focus on one, but there are just so many good ones to, to dive through. I so the it. first one that we're going to start with is a movie called The Conqueror, which actually starred John Wayne. As Genghis Khan, which is crazy. I've I've heard of this curse. It's insane. So this was in 1956. The film was actually shot at a location downwind from a nuclear testing site. Because that's a great idea. Yeah, it's great. It was the 50s, though. It was like anything goes. This caused dozens of crew members to eventually die of cancer. Uh, from this movie specifically. But they say it was cursed because the film was very whitewashed with John Wayne playing Genghis Khan, which doesn't make sense at all. True. True. Um, So that's that's one case. Flash forward ahead to 1968 during the filming of Rosemary's Baby, which we all know very well. This was a crazy one because there were multiple situations that happened. Uh, During the filming, Mia Farrow, who was the lead actress of Rosemary's Rosemary's Baby received uh, divorce papers from Frank Sinatra during the filming. Oh, I didn't know that. And a few months after, the director, Roman Polanski, lost his wife, Sharon Tate, when she was murdered by followers of Charles Manson. Shit. Crazy. 
Um, I just read recently that the the apartment that that was filmed in is legit haunted. Yeah, there are. I mean, each of these, and I hope because I, you know, I love researching this stuff. So hopefully, and there are more. These stories get deeper, but instead of focusing on one, whichever one jumps out to you who's listening, you can dive in and and find out more of the production because I so most of these have like books written about them too wow. at this point. Uh, specifically, this next one, which everyone knows uh, very well, this happened in 1973 on a little movie called The Exorcist, which is infamously one of the most cursed movies of all time. Nine I people. I didn't know that. You didn't? No. Oh yeah, it's do tell. It's crazy. Uh, not only scarring the actresses uh, in the film, actors and actresses emotionally from just the psychological aspects of this movie and the performance. Nine people died during the shoot, and it's said that a fire destroyed large portions of the set. Um, The craziest piece that I didn't know was that one of the medical technicians who worked on the (laughs) angiography sequence uh, named Paul okay. Bateson was convicted of murdering a variety reporter named Addison Verrill. Uh, Bateson never perfor- provided a motive and served 24 years in prison before being released on parole. Oh, shit. Which is, there's a lot about this movie that like Linda Blair, uh, Chris McNeil, and apparently this Paul Bateson just, there was just, it just got in their heads, mm. which is, which is, uh, insane next up jumping to 1976 another movie that we all know very well which is not surprising is the omen uh no one was seriously hurt during the filming of the omen but chaos seemed to surround everyone involved including star gregory peck and screenwriter david seltzer uh who had their flights struck by lightning on the way to filming which is Oops. <laughs> crazy. Uh, director Richard Donner, who also directed The Goonies, his hotel was bombed by the IRA, and members of the crew were caught in a car crash. Get the during, fuck out. All during filming. Oh, wow. Uh, <clears throat> jumping to 1979. Don't fuck with that Satan shit. Yeah. The Omen <laughs> it was one where those, a, a lot of these, you, you know, Exorcist is one, Exorcist and the Omen are two that I look at and I'm like this there's definitely some devil shit going down mm-hmm. the rest can be coincidental uh and I can I can see that this next one though might also join that list uh 1979's Apocalypse Now uh was filmed during monsoon season and a monsoon actually destroyed multiple sets uh Martin Sheen also suffered a heart attack during filming and no the director, Francis Ford Coppola, was so stressed that he suffered a seizure. Oh, my God. It's crazy. There's a whole documentary about that that's incredible called Hearts of Darkness, which is fascinating. Uh, fascinating, not fascinated. <laughs> All right. A couple more. 1982, uh, Fitzcarraldo. There was a lot that happened on this one. But this, again, seems more along the Apocalypse Now aspect and less of the curse. Um, but uh, there's a sequence in the film where they're hauling a boat over a hill, which the crew actually did. But 
there was also severe injuries from it happening. Oh, they no. suffered from dysentery, and they would have to stop as they were hauling up the hill because crew, some of the crew members would grow so frustrated, they would just fight each other as they're oh hauling this boat <laughs> Crazy. Angry uh, possession. Angry possession. Uh, same year as Fitzcarraldo was poltergeist in 1982. Several cast members actually died tragically over the course of the original Poltergeist trilogy. Not just the first movie. All three. 22-year-old... Uh, in 1982, 22-year-old Dominic Dunn was murdered by Dominique. her boyfriend. Dominique. Excuse me. Was Sorry, murdered this is by, my jam. <laughs> by, by her boyfriend shortly after the release of the first film. Six years later, 12-year-old Heather O'Rourke died of septic shock before the third movie was released. And after the second one, the the guy who played the shaman, I think he died during filming. It's just, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's scary. It's scary is what it is. That's uh, what next, you get when you use real bones in a movie. I'm just saying. Yeah. The fact that that was <laughs> even used uh, is, is for, for those who don't know, real quick, aside in the pool sequence towards the end of the film, the skeletons that were actually used were real. Uh, mm-hmm. Bought on scene. black market. Yeah. yeah. So. Very sketchy. Uh, a year later, 1983, Twilight Zone, the movie, Vic Morrow and two child actors were actually killed during the filming when a helicopter crashed during a Vietnam flashback sequence leading to major changes in the way movies were made. Oh, sh- I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember people dying. Holy shit. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, there's there is like... They were rolling. There's footage. It's horrifying. Oh, my God. Uh, next up is the famous, and this is its own category, the Superman curse, oh. which is uh, apparently a lot of comic book fans know about this one. It's said to afflict multiple actors involved in Superman films. Uh, Christopher Reeve was paralyzed following, a ho- paralyzed following a horse accident. And Margot Kidder, who played Lois opposite Reeve, suffered from bipolar disorder was homeless for years so that and the, is... the guy who originally played it in the tv show had all kinds of t- he died i think i it's, don't know it, apparently it's just gone on and on enough to give it its own name uh, i hope henry cavill's okay i hope so too <laughs> uh and the last two here we have uh one of my dad's favorite movies the 1995 uh flop Waterworld was under this <laughs> was under stormy weather from the beginning. A hurricane destroyed one of the film's multi-million dollar sets and nearly killed Kevin Costner. And oh, in no. an interview with AV Club, Joss Whedon called rewriting the script seven weeks of hell. Uh, still, the film's curse is tame compared to those of the rest on this list. How did I not know Joss Whedon wrote that? It was so long ago, 1995. Yeah, he was all but a babe. Just That's a, it's insane. I'm intrigued by that kind of stuff. I really, truly am. I've I actually very early on in this podcast did a whole story about the poltergeist curse, and that's how I knew it was Dominique. <laughs> um, I've watched. Uh, there's. I think the Reels Network has something about the the curse of the movies and went deep into Heather O'Rourke's death where, I mean, they 
they didn't know what was wrong with her. She just all of a sudden started gaining weight and she was happy and wonderful throughout the whole thing. And then just one day she, she just passed. So definitely that's my jam. Check that one out. But that was really well done. Thank you. Well, the last one I have, the, 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 the icing, the icing on the cake. This is the last one. And then I'm done. Uh, this was actually a movie that never got made. It was so cursed. And this one I had never known about until today. Uh, and I think this one's going to kind of blow people's mind. The film was called A Tuck. And it was based on a 1963 Mordecai Rickler novel about an Eskimo in New York. Uh, it had four men attached to playing the lead while in development hell through the 1970s and 80s. And these four men were John Belushi. Sam Kennison, oh. John Candy, and Chris Farley, all four of them died shortly after negotiations to be in the film. Oh, that's legit a fucking curse. I'm glad they didn't make that movie. That's crazy. I'm covered in goosebumps right now. Yeah. So that was the final one. I I, I live for this stuff. I love reading and learning about the history of films, and, and I had never known about this until today. And that was the final piece that uh, pushed me to do this story. So there's a little bit about cursed films. There's plenty of documentaries about cursed films you can watch. And yeah, that's it. Insane. Insane. Wow. Some of those I didn't I didn't even know. About. I didn't know The Exorcist uh, was supposed to be cursed. Um, I think I had known about The Omen and a few of the others, but it's it's crazy. And it sounds like this Eskimo movie was supposed to be a comedy by all the actors that were attached to it. Yeah, very, very intriguing. But the fact that all four, four of them... Pretty much yeah. all were overdoses as well, right? Yeah. Wow. And they were all such icons. Wow. Yeah. Mind blown, sir. It's, it's something else. So, anyway... Maybe I'll do like a follow-up story later on just one of them and really deep dive. But for now, just a little. I love it. Just some fun tidbits to get people's get people's minds going. Since I love it. Thank you so much. Let's. Uh, hey, we'll be right back. <laughs> are you aware I wrote a book? <laughs> of course you are, unless you're a first-time listener. I wrote a book called I'd Rather Talk to Dead People about my experiences at some of the most notoriously haunted locations in the world. Find out why Johnny G's Beat says one of my 2020 favorites or why Christina says wonderfully written and exciting. Katie says it's one of her best reads ever. Corey says it's paranormal investigating with heart. Head on over to Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble Dot com and just search I'd Rather Talk to Dead People by me, Kitsy Duncan. Things are a little crazy in the world right now, but you know what makes it better? Our fur babies, of course. Whether you're a dog person or a cat person, a fish person, a bird person, maybe you like turtles. I mean, most of those last ones don't have any fur, but you know what I mean. It always helps to save a little money. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash OFChewy to save a little money on our fur babies and help support Oddity Files, the podcast. It's so easy to do. Just head to tinyurl.com slash OFChewy. Do it. Are you a coffee addict like me? Well, check out Bones Coffee Company. Coffee isn't just a drink that wakes you up in the morning. 
It's an experience. When you brew a pot of Bones Coffee Company coffee, they want you to have the best experience you've ever had. They only roast carefully selected beans to perfection in small batches to ensure that you get the freshest coffee delivered straight to your door. The care given to each of those small batches is evidenced through the rich, full-bodied, and exceptionally smooth taste you'll get out of every cup of Bones Coffee Company you drink. You guys, this is amazing. First and foremost, I love coffee. I love wine and I love bourbon, but I love coffee. So check it out and help out the podcast. Go to tinyurl.com slash Bones Coffee. Get your coffee fix and help out your favorite podcast. We appreciate you. Is it time to spruce up the place? Are those cobwebs not really decorations? Do you just need a change? Well, I've got the deal for you. Dot and Bow has so much to offer. Everything from just sprucing up the bathroom with new towels to light fixtures, living room furniture, bedroom furniture, even office furniture. They have everything from the top trends today, or maybe you're just looking for that haunted mansion type vibe. And I mean, same. Dot and Bow has everything you need. So head on over to tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Help out the podcast, spruce up the place, I mean, we don't want Aunt Susan walking in again this holiday season saying, oh, nothing's changed, do we? Do it now. Tinyurl.com slash dot and bow promo. Like the idea of an escape room, but don't want to leave the house? <laughs> I feel ya. Have you heard of Hunt a Killer? It's this really neat concept and it's delivered straight to your home. And you know what? They need homebody detectives just like you. After her sister Beth's death is declared an accident, Gwen needs you to help prove she was murdered, sort through evidence, piece together clues, and catch the killer in this gripping murder mystery game. It's like an escape room delivered to your door every month. Find out why Bustle says a massive intricate murder mystery. Does this not literally sound like a dream come true for any true crime fan? Or the Washington Post says it's not for the faint of heart. Is this calling your name? Does this sound like your jam? Head to tinyurl.com slash promo to get your murder mystery sent to your door today. That's tinyurl.com slash huntakiller promo. Need more scares in your life? Well, duh, we've got you. Just head over to tinyurl.com slash get shutter and you'll automatically get seven days free of this all horror, all the time streaming network. From their endless selection of the best in horror, the original programming and exclusive content, to their flexible membership plans. Shudder is exactly what you need. Plans start at under five bucks a month, and yes, you can cancel at any time. I mean, what are you waiting for? Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. Tinyurl.com slash get shutter. 
G-E-T-S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Let's get scared. Oddity Files, the podcast, is brought to you by That Witch Beauty. Potions, jewelry, even odd box readings. Yes, ma'am, Pam. Head on over to Etsy.com slash shop slash That Witch Beauty. Check it out. All the good vibes, all the magic, all the moon water and crystals. Etsy.com slash shop slash that witch beauty. And we're back. <laughs> I uh, still, I, I think when you do do a deep dive into one of those, please do the, the latter. What was it called? Tuck? A tuck. A tuck. I think if I'm there saying it, it right. Yes, Absolutely. Always, yeah. whatever. I think you it's decide. cursed. It's cursed enough to be able to do it on the podcast. So. Yeah, for sure. Clearly, okay, kids. I am coming in hot off of six days and five nights, nothing included, stay at the Bourbon Orleans. I cannot say enough about how much I love this hotel, and it's not just because it's haunted. It's the staff, it's the location, and the legit charm of this amazing hotel. Oh. But it wasn't always a hotel. So let me tell you about the origin story of the Bourbon Orleans Hotel. And that story goes a little something like this. Mm -hmm. Construction begins on the original Orleans Theater in 1806. The War of 1812 delayed the opening until 1815. When it finally opens its doors for Creole society to once again enjoy the French opera. The performances at the Grand French Provisional Structure were short-lived after the cathedral was completely destroyed by a fire in 1816. In 1817, entrepreneur John Davis, hoping to make his mark on New Orleans' rich social scene, purchased the land and rebuilt the Orleans Theater and added the Orleans Ballroom as well, the oldest, most historic ballroom in Nalens today. David hired British-born architect Henry Latrobe, designer of the U.S. Capitol, to build the theater and the ballroom in hopes of outshining any competition. <clears throat> Can you imagine the glamour of this place back in the 1815s or when 17s-ish, oh. maybe? The who's who of the South all probably wanted a ticket to either the theater or the ballroom. The theater was most sought after ticket by Creole society, and the ballroom was all the glamour and all the glitz the opera didn't provide. Events held there were masquerade balls, carnival balls, as well as quadroon balls, at which Creole women of color quadroons, were selected to be the mistresses of wealthy Creole gentlemen in a system known as plissage. So I I feel like I've covered this in the past, but what a quadroon was were, were women of color who were only one quarter black or less. It just seems like a lot of work. However, I did do a little bit of research into these balls and the signing away of these women to, you know, live with these men. And it's not nearly as awful as it sounded. Um, It was more of less of a contract and more of a, hey, come meet these women. Since they couldn't marry back then, they just become common law husband and wives. The men would, you know, 
provide for the women and any children they had together. It's not nearly as awful as it sounds. But in 1828, a fire burned down the old Capitol building, forcing the state legislator to move their operations into the ballroom. And rumor has it that Andrew Jackson announced his bid for presidency in that building. In 1842, Henriette de Lille founded the Sisters of the Holy Family, America's first and oldest order of black nuns. Starting with just 12 other sisters, the congregation grew to encompass over 150 other nuns by the end of the century. And in 1881, the quickly growing congregation saw an opportunity when the Orleans Ballroom was put on the market. The building became St. Mary's Academy and served as the sisters' mother house and a school for young black girls. The sisters of the Holy Family bought out the lot and built St. John Birchman's Asylum for Negro Girls, which served as an orphanage. They built a courtyard and playground for the girls, which today still exists as the courtyard and pool for the Bourbon Orleans. By the 1960s, the Sisters of Holy Family expanded to over 400 nuns outgrowing St. Mary's, and they sold the property and moved to a larger covenant in East Nylands, where they still are today. The Bourbon Kings Hotel Corporation bought the property from the Sisters of the Holy Family in 1964 and then went on to spend over $7 million to restore the Orleans Ballroom and built a new building on the site of the old orphanage. The ballroom was converted to the lobby, dining room, and bar. So let's get to the hauntings, shall we? I'm not going to lie. The place is filled with spirits. You can sense them from the moment you walk in, and they are so happy there. This is their home, and you can feel it like in your bones. Not in a bad way by any means, but you can just feel like this is where they belong. This is their home, and they're very welcoming. And I think just like the entire city of Nalens love the tourists and like to take care of them. Here are the hauntings of what seems like the 15-plus haunted walking tours tell a night about the infamous Bourbon Orleans, because I witnessed many of them this past week while sitting in our room's balcony. They're just groups of people, and they stand out there, and they tell these ghost stories, and it's, <laughs> it's absolutely magical. The Bourbon Orleans is often touted as one of the most haunted hotels in New Orleans. At least 20 ghosts are set said to reside at the hotel, many of which are the victims of yellow fever from the days of when the bu- building was a covenant. Covenant? Yeah, covenant. Guests are most likely to encounter four main apparitions at the Bourbon Orleans. The ghosts of the yellow fever victims are spirits of children and nuns who perished in the worst of the city's epidemics. The nuns cared and prayed for children who contracted the disease during the epidemic. Even with the care of the nuns, several children lost their lives. Their spirits never left the building. The apparitions of young children praying and nuns watching over them them have been seen by guests and staff. Guests have reported hearing the laughter and pitter-patter of children playing in the halls, and some claim to feel the children tugging on their clothes. The ghost of a little girl chasing after her ball is often seen on the sixth floor. 
This one I didn't know about, and had I known, I'd gone up to the front desk and said, let me in this room. But room 644 is the most haunted room in the Bourbon Orleans. They say a nun committed suicide in the room, and a rumor which, this is a rumor that has not been confirmed or denied by the Sisters of the Holy Family. Guests and staff report hearing blood-curdling screams from the room at night. Some say it sounds like something being someone being tortured in the room with horrifying cries and screams echoing through the halls. Guests who stay in room 644 often report being woken up by a nun standing over their bed in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope, mm-hmm. that's one I, I'm not going to sleep in for sure. Because yeah, you no. know, if you wake up with a nun standing over your bed, you think you're like dying. Yeah, Just I'd be like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're giving me my last rites. Um, But the ballroom of the Bourbon Orleans is haunted by the spirit of a woman who is seen dancing under the chandeliers. She dances by herself, but her form indicates the presence of an invisible dancing partner. Staff also claim that she hides behind the draperies when she's not dancing and often shuffles them around to entertain and get a rise out of the guests. Some even claim to see a pool of blood on the ballroom floor. Not buying that. Rumored to be a remnant of a duel between two Creole men who had an argument over a woman. Whether or not the woman under the chandelier is the one who they fought over has yet to be determined. The ghost, and this, this is my boy, this is my homie at the Bourbon Orleans. The ghost of a Confederate soldier has been seen walking the halls of the hotel. He pays no mind to guests. I beg to differ, and I'll tell you shortly. Though he attracts attention in his heavy limp, tattered clothes, and open flesh wounds, he most often is seen on the third and sixth floors. And NOLA being NOLA, the Bourbon Orleans Hotel fully embraces all of these hauntings and takes care of their spirits. Even before getting to the check-in desk, after walking through the elegant lobby, there's a big golden leaf framed print telling all the tales of all the main spirits that still roam the halls of the Grand Hotel. This was mine and Chris's second stay. In one of the balcony suites of the hotel, I will only stay in the balcony suites because one, you got a balcony, you can see Bourbon Street, it's amazing. Um, and of course, I had a, an experience even the first time we stayed, which was forever ago. It was the infamous soldier that roams the halls because the balcony suites are on the third floor. And that story goes a little something like this. Picture it. Newbie paranormal researcher Kitsy Duncan gets the chance to stay at this notoriously haunted hotel. So what does she do? She grabs her K2 meter and roams the halls at night, night, hoping for a glimpse or an audible sound or something. I don't know. I was just looking for ghosts. (laughs) Um, So I walk out the upstairs doors of the suite. That's another thing I love them. There's two levels. You've got your living area, this fancy little staircase, and then there's the the bedroom area and a bathroom on the second floor, which is actually the fourth floor of the hotel. Um, So I walk out the upstairs door to the suite, propping the lock so the door wouldn't shut. I know we've all done that where you kind of swing the thing around and it props the door open. 
Um, the hubster was on the first floor of the suite with his computer during something that I can only imagine was very important at the time. And I wander and wander, going to all the floors, all the floors, with the K2 meter outstretched and anxious to hear the, the laughter of children in the hallways or see the glorious dancer in the ballroom. And I got squat. Nothing other than a K2 meter going off when I got too close to a light fixture. <laughs> So, and obviously that was quickly debunked. So I head back to the room. We're talking like 10.30-ish at night on a weeknight in January. There's nobody in New Orleans during the week in January. I mean, several places were actually closed while we were there. It's pretty much just Chris, Chris and I and the housekeeping had clearly gone home for the day and literally not a creature was stirring. So I get to our door and it's fucking closed. And I mutter under my breath because I didn't bring my key card with me because I'd propped the fucking door open. I knock on the door so hubby can let me in. And I wait and I wait. And there's nothing. I'm pretty fucking annoyed at this point thinking this joke Chris has played on me is not funny anymore. <laughs> so I hop on the elevator and I knock on the main floor level so Chris can let me in. And he opens the door completely surprised to see me. Um, and asked me why I didn't come in the upstairs door. I tell him, well, if he hadn't shut the door, I'd have been happy to go in that door. <laughs> and that's when I see the look on his face, and I knew it wasn't Chris that shut that door. Now, I'm not saying 100% that the soldier locked me out of my room, but you know me, I never say 100%. But I will say that the next morning, I heard one of the housekeepers in the hallway talking about her experience with the soldier earlier that day with another employee. And the same thing happened to her. Regardless, it's a pretty cool story. So upon checking in on this most recent trip, I spoke to the absolutely lovely lady at the front desk, whose name is, of course, escaping me because of... Alzheimer's years old <laughs> about any experiences she might have had and often sitting at the front desk by herself she sees shadow figures in the night just passing by wow. and to add a little creep factor to this moment she the moment she finished telling me about her shadow figures one of the lights right above me started flickering now maybe it's the fact that the place is old and things like that happen but I like to think it was the spirit of the confederate soldier Welcoming me, welcoming me back, and I'm going to tell you why I feel that way. The Chris, uh, the experiences Chris and I had this past week, pretty much validate that theory. We went to the room, unpacked for our six night stay, and as I was unpacking, I noticed one of those damn alarm clocks that are always on my side of the bed, where they light up and they shine directly in your eyes in the middle of the night. And I thought to myself, self. You'll need to unplug that before bed. And I went on with my day, excited to check out the nightlife of Bourbon Street on a Sunday night. And we came back. I kid you not, I went to unplug said glaring alarm clock, and it had already been done for me. Can I just say this soldier boy is very considerate and totally a mind reader. It was pretty cool. And like my first experience, it still has me stumped. I'm not 100% sure it was paranormal activity, but I still can't explain it. 
Um, that wasn't our only experience this time around. And the second experience has me 100% convinced that the wounded Confederate soldier is quite the trickster. Chris and I decided to head back early one night and snuggle in bed and watch some CSI Miami as we love to do. We're all comfy, cozy, snuggled under the blanket. And I hear, for lack of a better word, very loud fart. Yes, I said fart. (laughs) And not only heard it, but felt the bed move. It was an, oh my God, I've been holding that in and I just got to let it go, bed moving fart. Come on, you know the kind. And I chuckled and I looked at Chris and said, good one. (laughs) After 26 years of marriage, that's how some evenings go down. He looked at me as if to congratulate me on my winning wind-passing achievement. Yep, you guessed it. It wasn't either of us. And damn, that was not the kind of the toot, not the kind of toot that you just didn't realize you just did. (laughs) So needless to say, I feel like I'm on a comfort level with the Confederate soldier spirit from the Bourbon Orleans Hotel that he can just let one rip right up next to me in a bed. Nonetheless, thank you for the stinky snuggles, dude. I appreciate you. And to top it off, on a ride to the airport, we met Sean. He had worked in the hotel for years and loved it and the spirits dearly. They used to have a Thursday night ghost tour in the hotel just for the people staying there, and he would run the tours. And rarely did he witness any paranormal activity, as happens when you're into the paranormal. But one day, he was taking a group of people on the tour and decided to snap a photo in the ballroom. And lo and behold, after he handed me his phone so I could see said photo, I saw what was probably some of the most legit paranormal evidence I've seen to date. Now, he didn't notice what he captured in the photo until the next day, as happens often for several people. But what he captured, and I kid you not, was the most elegant antebellum era gown in full color in the middle of the ballroom you could see the lace the satin i mean everything but there was no head no neck or arms anywhere in the photo it looked as if the dress was dancing in the ballroom all by itself and i'm really pissed i didn't take a photo of the photo on his phone because even now as i write this I am in awe of what Sean showed me. This dress was pale green, cream colored lace, and just fucking stunning. So there you have it, kids. The ghost stories of the Bourbon Orleans Hotel in NOLA. I guess recently the hotel had been owned by locals. The hotel that had been owned by locals for years was recently sold to a corporate conglomerate and changes will be made which is the way things are going nowadays. But in my hope of hopes, I hope that the spirits there will embrace the changes and live their happily ever after there continuously forever and ever, ever. My wingmen for this story were the lovely lady at the front desk whose name I can't remember, Sean, the van driver, and bourbonorleans.com and nolaghosts.com. I had a feeling you were going to come back from New Orleans with a story. I I was like, I can't believe I have not done a story on this hotel. What the hell? So, yes. Very cool. What a great experience. And the fact that you have, like, history with it, too. 
Yeah. And I, I, I rarely do those stories. I should probably do more of them on the places I've investigated or, you know, just snuggled up with a ghost in bed watching CSI Miami. Yep. A tootin' ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we have a par- uh, personal paranormal story from one of our favorite fans slash listeners slash friends, Evan. Evan's our guy. The subject is frog apocalypse. Oh. Yes. And he starts it with, it's Evan again, with a story that might be paranormal, but it is mostly a tale of why nature is terrifying and why we should all stay inside forever. (laughs) I wasn't going to send this one, but I saw Ursula post something about you needing stories and figured this one is scary enough. It is, after all, why I am now scared of frogs. (laughs) Just west of my hometown of Greencastle is a railroad bridge known as the Four Arches, home of the local goat man, and the road beneath it loops back towards town after passing the historic Boone Hutchison Cemetery, where the legendary Daniel Boone is allegedly buried. When I got my first car, I would drive this loop pretty much every day just to kill time and feel that teenage urge to drive fast and stay out late. I've seen some spooky stuff out there, but this is what created a phobia I haven't been able to shake. It was late on a Friday night. I had just taken my friends home after dinner and a movie in the next town and figured I'd do a round of the back road loop before heading home myself. I turned off the usual route because of a fallen tree and figured this offshoot would give me a place to turn around. Nope. Another fallen tree just a few yards from where I turned. I stopped and was about to turn around when that log started moving. Something big was behind it. Rocking this tree back and forth. It was a black blob in my headlights. It seemed to be made of darkness. Then it stood up and two giant red eyes looked at me. I screamed some sort of expletive and honked the horn, trying to scare it off. Then its body was covered in tiny red eyes. Before I could shift it into reverse and get the hell out of there, this giant blob bursts into seemingly endless swarm of frogs that landed on my car's hood windshield and roof with more on the ground climbing up the sides no fucking way what um as they did my car rocked from side to side so hard that my head hit the window and left a bruise i screamed until my voice was gone hitting the gas did nothing the wheels spun and splattered frogs but i wasn't moving I was convinced I was going to die under these frogs from hell. Then I heard a loud rumbling noise that went on for several sustained seconds. Like a growl mixed with construction equipment and explosions. Well, that's very descriptive and sounds terrifying. I covered my ears and closed my eyes. And when I opened them, the frogs were gone. Somehow the fallen tree was gone too. I hadn't noticed it before, but somehow my car had shut off as well. I didn't even know until the engine and headlights flickered back on. I considered forging ahead on this road 
the way being clear now, but decided that was the absolute dumbest decision I would ever make in life and floored it in reverse until I slid onto the road that led straight back to town. I didn't think I've ever driven faster in my life. Ever since then, I've been scared of frogs, which is which were once an animal I love to keep as pets. I don't know if that was just some horny frogs <laughs> pissed that I interrupted their origin <laughs> or an actual Loveland frogman, but I absolutely don't want to see it again. Holy fucking shit. Wow. Yeah. So many questions. Like, was this frogman just... Like, did he just like turn into a bunch of little frogs that attacked your car? I, I, all the questions. Yeah, frogs already freaked me out, so that would have done me in for good. I think. <laughs> you know, anything cold-blooded freaks me out slightly. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Not a, not uh, a fan of the reptilians. No, I think Indiana has a new cryptid thanks to um, Evan Scott. So thank you, sir, for that. Has anyone else? encountered a frogman that bursts into a large frogman that bursts into little bitty frogs everywhere. If you have, we want to hear about it. Let, let us Anything rude. Yes, oddityfiles crew at gmail.com. Guys, we appreciate you so very much. Pop in, leave a review on the iTunes, iPodcasts, whatever the shit's called, or any <laughs> podcast platform you listen to. Tell your friends about the show. We love the interaction you guys give us in our Facebook group. We love it so very much. So head on over there and join. It's just Facebook fan group on Facebook. Check out all the stuff and all the things Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. A huge shout out to our sponsor, That Witch Beauty. Head to etsy.com slash shop slash That Witch Beauty. And our Patreon producers, Ryan Hoke and Donald Blanchflower. Check out our Patreon. We I add stuff to it all the time, guys, except last week. I totally forgot. I had all the plans to take all the videos while I was there. But I was staying present and in the moment, and I did not. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Oddity Files. Plugging segment done. Guys, I'm Kitsy Duncan. Where does the new cool? And I am Nick Floyd. Ghost on. Until next time, kids. He's doing the finger trigger. Finger <laughs> trigger. Finger trigger. Good job. Oddity Files, the podcast, is brought to you by That Witch Beauty. Potions, jewelry, even odd box readings. Yes, ma'am, Pam. Head on over to Etsy.com slash shop slash That Witch Beauty. Check it out. All the good vibes, all the magic, all the moon water and crystals. Etsy.com slash shop slash that witch beauty. Thanks for listening. Head to flow.page slash oddity files for all things oddity files. Links to our merch, links to our sponsors, links to all the things oddity files. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate you spreading the word. Please don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Again, all things Oddity Files at flow.page slash Oddity Files. Theme music provided by James Grice. Edited 
by me. Take care. We'll see you next time. No, you won't. You'll hear us next time. Bye.